everybody, welcome back to Joni Stahl's Field Notes, or else known as the Little Green Pasture. So welcome back. I pray that you'll be blessed while you're here. You know, I've just got some good stuff to share today, some true living waters. And like I read a little quote today from J.H. Jowett, he said, people that are truly thirsty are sanctified vessels because they bring their vessels to be filled up with water. So I want to welcome all of all of you who are always here with me, but I always want to extend a warm welcome to those who are visiting for the first time or just stopping by or just new to this channel. And I just want to welcome all the new subscribers. And I want to thank you for all my, my supporters. I would rather say the Lord's supporters because this is his little green pasture. But I just want to acknowledge that because we really are a family. We are uh, children of the household. Well, I am going to start praying and I just want to jump in because, you know, when the spirit is moving, I just want to move with the spirit. And I don't want to waste another minute of time. So, Father in heaven, I thank you again for a beautiful time that I may offer up myself to you a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, and pleasing in your sight. And I offer up this vessel that it would be sanctified by you, a truly sanctified and holy vessel, and an honest and good vessel, and a humble one that you can use. For I, I look to you for everything, Lord, and I, I commit this word to you. I ask that you be with my mouth, that you direct my heart, my heart, and let your living waters flow forth and let them gush down like they did in the desert, Lord. Lord, I pray for nothing less than your presence, your witness, and your power in this message as I'm following that stream of living water. And I say follow it because I just think of myself walking beside that living water and just watching it flow down and just going with that momentum. Amen. In Jesus name, I pray. Okay. So let me just start. Have you ever felt God calling you to do something? Something Maybe perhaps you're already doing something in your life in the Lord. I, I'm not talking about regular duties, your job, your employment, your home duties. I want to set that aside. I want to be distinctful and direct and say, is God calling you to do something? You know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll use my own self as an example. And maybe this will speak to you. I want to begin first, instead of talking about myself, to say all of us know what it feels like that are following the Lord. We could tell when things start to change a little or, you know, we, we, have, we have a sense about his move. And the, and the longer we go in Christ, the more we can put our lick our spiritual fingers and put it in the spiritual air to find out which direction the wind is blowing. And I'm bringing this up because 
I just felt such a sharp move in my heart. And not just because I'm doing things regarding Pakistan. But there's something else. There's something else. And I just want to share it with you. And if this word speaks to you, then grab onto it and run with it like a torch. This has to do with spiritual maturity. This has to do with being, coming to a point in your life, in your walk. And there's many points along the way where God is calling you to do something else. You know, I was reading today in Isaiah 35, and my heart started to really move when I got to verse chapter 8. Now, it's a, it's the chapter of the Millennial Kingdom. It talks about the conditions of the Millennial Land and, and what, it, what it will be like and how it will be a wonderful place. It will return to the endemic environment of the Garden of Eden during that thousand-year Millennial Reign. Um, there is an encouragement. Let the weak say, I'm strong. Let the feeble hands that hang down be strengthened and the feeble knees let them not be weak anymore and and the desert shall blossom like the rose of Sharon and so on okay so we're looking at a beautiful little picture a little window of insight into what that thousand year millennial reign looks like now we know it will not be perfect there will be people that will be sinning in it they will still worship other gods yes it's true it's in micah 4 but that's not what i'm talking about today because i want to talk to you and i want to stick with what i said is god calling you you know when i got to chapter 8 in isaiah and it's a, it's a short chapter i think there's only 16 verses if i'm not mistaken um no, 10 verses. So let me just go. And a highway shall be there and a way. And it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men. Though fools shall not enter therein. So you see, we're looking, just as a side note, you're looking at some not perfect uh, features of the millennial kingdom. It says no it says though fool shall not enter therein, no lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon. It shall not be found there. So we see it's a place for wayfaring men. It'll be for a certain kind of people. I don't want to go into the millennial kingdom. I'm using it as a springboard for what I was sensing today because I understand a lot of um commentaries will look at this and they will say this is uh some of them say, well, this is kind of parabolic and this and that. I take it literally. If they say that this is going to be what it is, I take it. And I do know the difference between when uh, the Lord is teaching, the Holy Spirit is moving and he's using um, examples and things like this. But I do look at this and I believe that there will be a highway there. And I do know that historically uh, he's speaking about looking back historically and looking to the future in the millennial kingdom that all the Jews will return to Zion and there will be a highway that they will return. 
Some people like to call it the King's Highway. So just so that you know, I want to be clear with you because um, I like clear teaching. So let me keep going. So we see that it will be a safe place. It'll be for wayfaring men, but it is a way, right? So we see that there will not be any ravenous beast shall go up there on. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return, which are the Jews, and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads, and they shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. You know, I want to talk about this way. See, we know that Jesus, we know it says in John 14, 6, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so when I started to think about that way, and I started to think about different things in life when God has called me to do something, um, and I got kind of comfy in the things that I was doing. And um, and I can say this about others where I saw, you know, witnessing the lives of other people where they were in a ministry or they were doing something at home because we all have something we're doing in the Lord. And I, I struggle a little bit with that word ministry because it's been so it, it's almost kind of gross, especially American speaking, because we have seen that everybody can just say they have a ministry. And I love Jackie Pullinger and I love what she said. And I have adapted to that word. You know, she said, many people will say, what kind of ministry do you have? And she says, I don't have a ministry. I have a life. And, and I think that too, I have a life. You have a life. And your life has a purpose, but every once in a while, God's going to come around and he's going to start moving in your life. He's going to start kind of touching things here and there within. You'll start to sense something and it, it, it's by no means overt. It may come one moment where you're doing something or you're quiet. It'll feel like a, a, a soft breeze has gone by and you're, you sense it. And you're like, what was that? I sense there's some kind of change, but you don't know what it is. And little by little, uh, it starts to increase. And you start to become more aware and, and the Holy Spirit is increasing something because he knows that he has to prepare us. He knows he has to prepare you. And so I, I I find it very incredibly rare when God just takes somebody and says, now get over there. And then he has done that. And we've seen it in the Bible and we've seen it in lives of others. But technically, it's it doesn't work that way. He, he likes to come a little by little and to start preparing us. Now, I have done things with the Lord where he has just all of a sudden a door opened and I was in it. And many of you have, you know, felt like divine appointments. All of a sudden you're in the moment. You're talking to somebody. You didn't plan it. You just wanted to go over there to go do something and hurry up and get home again. And next thing you know, you're breaking it down with somebody who's crying. Somebody going through a terrible time. And next thing you know, you're on. Those things happen every day. But, you know, I want to talk about both of those things. And I think, think it's pertinent. I want to talk about being called. And I want to talk about divine appointments. I want to talk about being chosen by God. But I want to talk about what you're choosing. You see, it's difficult really to make a choice because we want to always be sure that we're in the will of the Lord. And many of us have taken that wrong choice and it led us down a wrong way. 
And next thing you know, we're in somebody else's way. Somebody comes and gets us and they ask us to join us in a ministry. I know I've gotten caught up where people are like, oh, in my past, you know, where, where they, we would love to have you be a part of us and this and that. And I'm not picking on the people. I'm just saying, um, I, I, I thought, well, this is really good. And even times I prayed about it and pretty much felt, oh, I've, I think I have a piece. I'll go do it. And so I went and it was a disaster. It was awful. And so this has worked in a way, a great way for me. And I'm sure for you where you've gotten involved with things that you said, oh, what did I get myself into? But those are all for our learning so that when we make a choice, we have to understand a choice is a way. It is a way. And, you know, when we say that word uh, um, in John 14, where it says, uh, I am the way. That's the first thing he says. I am the way. And his ways, you know, it says in uh, Psalm 107, verse uh, 103, verse 7, it says, um, for he made known his ways unto Moses and acts and his acts unto the children of Israel. You know, when God is truly calling you, he knows that you have a lot of things that you have proper fear over or natural fear or even some leftover wounded, not wounded anymore, but like you're scarred from it, you know, and where you think, but I have so much I have to think about and, and I know God's calling me, but what am I supposed to do? I have these things around my life that necessitate my time you have to understand god is not going to disrupt your life he's not going to cause you to not be there anymore for your spouse or disappear from your children and i mean i i know a story a woman told me that she knew this other woman it was um it was a relative uh married for many many years and uh grown children, the whole thing. And, uh, the woman joined a church and became very good friends with the pastor and his wife. Next thing you know, um, she's going on every kind of missions trip with them. And she spent wildly like enormous sums of money. And she kept saying, the Lord's telling me to Lord, the Lord's telling me to do this. And she just pretty much bailed on her family. And she, I mean, her kids are growing up, but she just bailed on her husband. And she was just going on all these missions trips. The next thing you know, she said, the Lord told me I'm going to have to divorce you to be his missionary. And I was like, no, no, that's clearly not the Lord. You see, you have to realize that if God is calling you, he's only asking you to make a choice. He's not asking you to say, uh, well, uh, well, let me, let me back up a little. He's not going to do something to you to harm you. And he will take care of your family. You know, when I think of uh, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 20, I call it the war chapter. When armies were preparing to go out to war, the book of the law was written to uh, read to them by the priests before they went out. And do you think that every single one of those soldiers went out there worried about what was going to happen to their children, to their wives, to their properties. Yeah, there was four reasons why soldiers were excused from duty. They just married a wife. They just bought new lands, whatever. I'm not going to get into it. They were fearful. I know one was if they're fearful, 
because God doesn't want anybody serving him that's fearful. God is sensitive to your life. Don't forget, your life is not your own. He purchased your life. But just because he purchased it, he's not going to force you to do anything. And so many of us, I think we've given God the raw end of the stick because we've gone, Lord, I want to answer you, but what am I supposed to do? I can't just get up and leave. I can't just do this and that. And you know what we did? We shot ourselves in both feet. That's not what God is asking you to do. Jesus is calling you. Maybe he's not calling you today, some of you. But if you really have that new creature birth in you, he's going to start moving in your life. And he will open doors. I want to tell you about a dream I had a long time ago. And I'll give you um, uh, an example. This was about 20 years ago, and I had so much going on in my life. A lot of you know I always go, I had a terrible life. <laughs> I did. Um, but praise the Lord, Jesus was in the terrible. Okay. So, um, but anyways, I was always like, Lord, I want you to use me no matter what's going on in my life. I, I reach forth to the heavens. Lord, I stretch myself in prayer. Like I would just be like praying constantly to him. God, here I am. Send me and every inch of myself. I believed I meant it. Okay. And one night I had a dream. I dreamed that I was in a car with my fam, with, uh, no, I was in a car. That man that's always with me in my dreams. This is a long time because I'm trying to remember perfectly. So all of a sudden I'm in the car with him and we pull up to a house. We go into a house and I'm thinking, what, I've never been here before. I don't, I don't know why I'm here. And I'm looking around the house and the house was dilapidated. It was it looked like somebody was trying to remodel it a hundred years ago and they left it like that. And it was a cobwebs and it was junky. And I was like, well, whoever lives here, they just really let it go. And I did meet the person who lived there and they were depressed and sad. And, and finally, at some point I said to myself, I just want out of here. I just want to go. And next thing you know, I saw a door opened. And this door, and there was a man standing at the door, all dressed in white. And he was holding the door open for me. And he didn't say a word to me, but I understood by the expression on his face, like, the door's open for you, go through it. And I looked like this, and because here's what's interesting, is when I walked into the living room area of the house, I looked out through the dingy, dirty windows, and it looked like, overgrown kind of cursed looking land where you would just be like that i mean what it would take to clear that land it was just ugly land i'll just say it that way and so that's when i said i just want out of here that's when that door opened and the man was standing there and and so i looked like this that door and i was so compelled to go through that door like i wanted to go through that door and um i looked out and i saw this land and it didn't look like any kind of land. And I've been in beautiful lands. Like I've I've been in the Rockies. Like I've been to Montana. I've been to Idaho. I've been to Hawaii. I've been to places where I've seen the most epic beauty. And I could tell you what I saw was nothing. That it didn't even rival. It was a match. It was matchless. There was no rival of what I saw on this earth. 
everything was big and thick and green and lush and beautiful. And I could feel that it was another world. Like it was just beyond this world. And as I started to go in through that door, I said to myself, I can't go through there. I can't go through there. And that man was just looking down at me. I mean, he wasn't giving me any kind of facial expression, but I can feel like go in, you know? And I said, I'm sorry, I can't go in. I've got to go back. And, and, uh, and I, I said some kind of expression, like I needed to go like, you know, bury my parents first. I need to go check out my land. I, I, I said something where I just can't go. I, I have to stay here because I have to go over here. And then all of a sudden I left the house and I got in the car and I woke up and I never forgot that dream because I, I thought, you know, perhaps it wasn't my timing back then, but, and maybe it was for now. Maybe it was just for me to tell you that when God opens a door, all he asks for you is to say yes. That's all he asks is just for you to say yes. Because you see, when you go to work somewhere, you know, I, I know somebody who worked for many years for the county and you know, all his life he worked there, you know, and it was for public works. He didn't have to go buy his own shovel. He didn't have to buy the truck he drove in. He didn't have to provide a uniform. He didn't have to provide anything. And yet we have, look at how we miss out. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Don't miss out. You know, Jesus Christ is not a destination. He, he's, he's not a destination. He's a way. He's, he's the way, you know, um, he's the way, the truth and the life. I mean, if you think about there's, there's a way to go. And when you choose the way of the Lord in Joshua 24, 15, it says, and if it seem evil unto you, serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. You see, I see those scriptures and I say, I totally believe in free will, free will choice. Because we're choosing all day long. And this, every now and then there's going to be a choice that's going to come your way. And there is a door that's open. You know, I read about the doors in heaven. Speaking about, it says, and it rained down showers upon the mown grass. The doors in heaven were opened. But there is a door in heaven. And the door is open to you right now. And, you know, when you choose this day. It says, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorite in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, he says, but as for me, you know, when I was doing a Psalm study last, because I go through the Psalms every month, um, I read five Psalms a day. So it takes me through a month. And I just started to look and I wrote down every place, but as for me, but as for me, but as for me, what about you? What can you say? Can you say as for me? Because I learned a while back to say as for me. Because a day is going to come where even people that you're walking with right now, God's not asking them to go with you. He's asking you. He's asking you to go away. He's asking you, will you serve him today? And don't get all up in your head about it. You know why? You'll turn back. You'll become like the Hebrew slaves who said, who could have gone, gone to the promised land in 11 days, but they, it took them 40 years. 
their indecisiveness and their fears, no matter how many of the 10 plagues that they saw and those 10 wonders and works and powers of might, even through all those miracles, the Lord knew that he would have to take them for 40 years. And so choo choosing is a way. You know, in Deuteronomy 30, verse 9, it says, I call heaven and earth to record to re record this day against you that I, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And then he tells you, he gives you the answer. He doesn't just say choose. He says, therefore, choose life that you and your children may live, that thou and thy seed may live. Let me tell you something. I'm going to just kind of get real with you right now. I'm always real with you guys. When am I never real with you guys? Um, you know, something really sparked me today. Something really sparked in me today. You know, remember me telling you about a week ago or so that I was in bed. In case this is your first time, I'm going to hear today. I'm going to repeat. And I was, I was, I've been preaching in Pakistan not physically, uh, but tech, you know, through technology. And I was saying to the Lord in the middle of the night, I said, Lord, I said, I will do anything to serve you. Um, show me what to do. I am your servant. And I just am here to serve you. And I was saying these words in, but it was brief. And as I began to fall asleep, I clearly heard the voice of God speaking in my heart. And he said to me, I heard him. I heard the voice because I was falling asleep. I definitely was not thinking. He said, it is one thing to give your life to Christ, but it is a completely different thing to give up your life for Christ. And I, I heard that. So he was showing me what to expect, what he's putting before me. As he says here, I set before you this day. Life and death, blessing and cursing. I set before you two ways. You can go the way where you give your life to me. And you will. I will be able to express myself through you. But you see, there's a different life. When you give up your life for Christ. That's a choice. Let me tell you another story. When I was reading, um, when I was reading a, a biography about a great saint, uh, Finney, he was president of uh, Chapman. He was a dean of Oberlin College and top flight attorney of his day. And he sat at his desk and he said, is this all there is? I've reached the top. I, I'm, you know, I'm the attorney of the, the day, you know. I'm a dean of a great college, university. Is this all there is? And he went home that day and he walked out to the cliff and he overlooked the ocean. And he said to the Lord, he looked up and he said, something to the effect of, Lord, is this all there is? And the Lord spoke something to him. I'm not going to put words in the Lord's mouth. I don't remember the exact words, but it was something to the effect. Are you willing to serve me completely? It was something like that. 
And he said he did not want to answer the Lord right away because he understood what that meant. That wasn't a cheap, okay, I'll serve the Lord. Here I am, send me. He said he understood what that meant, what it could require. And he said, the only thing he said to the Lord at that time is, Lord, I'll be back in three days. Charles Fenney said it was three days and nights of like heart palpitating. Um, you know, he knew he was going to have to make a choice and God gave him a choice. And he came back, he said, the last hour before he walked out there at that to be there at the same hour, he said he was in a sweat in prayer on his knees and he decided that the answer would be yes. And he walked out to that cliff and he looked up and he said, I've chosen yes to, he said yes to the Lord. And within two weeks, he was sitting at his desk two weeks later. The Lord said, I want you to quit your, quit this. I want you to go. Everybody said, you're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. Look at how far you've gotten. Look what you, what are you doing? Next thing you know, he boarded a ship to America and for three months, he was on the ship and he said a dark darkness came over. It was all foggy the whole time. He said, but he was under a heavy oppression because the enemy was on top of him because the enemy knew he was coming and that he had said yes. Um, and he said after three months and he'd walk around every day around the dock. And so one day he uh, was walking, he saw the light began to shine and he can see the land in the distance and the sun began to shine. And he said he, the first time he had heard the Lord since he left, the Lord said to him, I want you to go in your your state room. I want you to get all your credentials and I want you to throw them overboard. He was like, okay. And so he did that. And after he threw them all overboard, the Lord said, I want you to take that necklace off and I want you to throw it in the water. And it was some kind of like special necklace of achievement of some kind. And he took it off and he threw it in there in the ocean. And when he went there, he just started off. He rented a little room above a bakery and the baker was a Christian. He would hold little uh, Christian meetings, Bible, Bible studies in that baker's shop. And he was even working for the baker. And then one day the Lord said, I want you to quit your job. And you're going to trust me for everything. You see, choose this day who you're going to serve. But when you choose it, think very, very, count the cost. But even when you, like him, he counted the cost. And who knows what else went through his mind. But you know what he he saw the way of the Lord. There was something that happened within him because you see it entered when it, when Moses was a full 40 years old, it enter, entered into his heart to serve the Lord. And it was until 40 years later that the Lord met him in a burning bush. You know, a lot of times in the Bible, we see God will meet a person. God will come to you first. There, there's a distinction it never works. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. The Lord doesn't, doesn't follow us. We follow him. And I'm talking about service to him. And yes, I, I guess I can just blur the lines a little bit and say, everything you do in the name of the Lord is service to Christ. But I'm talking about something distinctful here. Is Jesus calling you? 
I mean, I'm really asking you that question. Is Jesus calling you? You see, he came to Abraham when he was sleeping at night. He met Jacob at Jacob's when Jacob was sleeping when he saw the ladder that went all the way up to heaven. He met uh, David while he was tending. He says he he took him. He said he took me from following the sheep great with young. He took him. It says he took him from following the sheep great with young. And he made him ruler over his people Israel. And he guided them by the skillful, you know, great with young and guided them with the skillfulness of his hand and with integrity. Um, he came to Samson's mother while she was in the field. He came to Elijah. He came to Elisha. He came to Jeremiah. He came to Paul. He revealed himself to Paul. Jesus revealed God manifest in the flesh. The same with all the disciples. So you see, God begins to move in you. It's not on you to come up with a plan. You know what I'm going to have to start doing, don't you? There's something about a moment of time where even Mary, look at her, 16 years old. She, what did she know about life, really? She was getting ready to get married and just go have a family and do what she did for girls her age. But something happened. It was a Holy Spirit. It was the Spirit's power where she said, be it unto me, even as thou sayest, be it unto me. And she says she believed upon him that there would be a performance of the things that he spoke. And when God really calls you, he's calling you. Remember when God spoke out to Saul of Tarsus, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who art thou, Jesus? Who art thou? He said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. Then he goes on, you know, calls him to start to preach to the Gentiles. And he ordains him. And, but it said the other people didn't hear God's voice. Only Saul did. Other people just said it thundered. You see, and I also want to say this to you. Be careful who you connect yourself to. You know, don't don't jump ahead. Don't think, oh, you know what I think? I think it's this. I think it's that. Don't, don't be so quick to think. I think this is what God wants. I think this is what he wants. If he came to you and he's stirring you up and he's moving in you, take it step by step. Say, Lord, show me the way. Show me, Jesus, what you want me to do. I think about Amos. You know, Amos said in 7 verse 9, I believe it is. He said, I was not, he said, I was not a prophet. I am not a prophet, he said. Neither am I a prophet's son. But the Lord took me from, he said, but I was a gatherer of the sycamore fruit. And he was also a shepherd. He said, but the Lord took me. He called me. And he told me to say this to you, to another, to an enemy of God. You see, it's everything is on the Lord. Do you want to serve him? I mean, tell me right now. Don't tell me, tell him. Do you want to serve the Lord? Because let me tell you, there will be people who will try to hinder you. But it's okay. Don't worry about them. 
Don't worry about anything. Because you know the way of the Lord, his way, like I was saying in the beginning, a highway shall be there. Yes, that's a millennial picture. Yes, that where the ransomed of the Jews are going to go. Yes, that's a messianic kingdom. Yes, yes. Will born again Christians be there? Gentile nations? Yes, they will be there. But I'm talking about a highway shall be there and a way and the way of holiness. Jesus is the his, you know, we his way is the way of righteousness, the way of truth, the way of love, the way of uprightness, the way. I mean, I can go down the way of truth, the way of life, the way of, I mean, I can just go down that list. You know, there is another way and you don't want to make any mistakes because, you know, there comes a point in maturity where God's going to want you alone. And that's a mark of maturity in serving him. And remember once God is moving in you, you don't want to start asking permission from humanity. You're not going to start wanting to go to somebody that you think is a higher spiritual leader than you. You know why? You will postpone the work God has for you. Because he's trying to teach you how to listen to him yourself. You know, there comes a point where he's not. you're not going to asking people permission following in the footsteps of somebody else. God wants to give you your own experience. You know, uh, a couple of mornings ago, I was doing my devotions. Before I did my devotions, I was in prayer. And I said, Lord, don't leave me as I am. I said, I pray you continually reveal yourself to me. I said, Lord, and I'm pointing because I have a little bookshelf with all my favorite people. And I said, Lord, I said, I can read those books, Lord. And those books are everything they heard you say to them or shown your light on and you revealed yourself to them. I said, but God, I am grown up in you now. I'm not a sapling. I'm salty. I'm veteranized. Yes, I'm still learning. But praise the Lord, I'm not a baby anymore. And I said, I want to see you for myself. And I want to know you for myself. I want to say to people, come and see a man who told me all things ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Don't you want to run in the path of his commandments on your own? There's a freedom where you say, as for me, but as for me, I choose him. And it may not make sense to everybody. And I'm not saying to say it in that just like, I don't care. I'm doing it. That's not what I mean. You're not ready then if you're doing it that way. Because you know why? When you're full of the love of Jesus Christ, you're going to love even your enemies that are going to try to hinder you. Because it's not about them. And there's nothing they can do to stop the hand of God upon you. There's nothing that can stop the power of the living God. When God, once God has spoken, who can let it? And you know what? I thought to myself today, there were some things I was like, you know, I'm trying to get used. I'm trying to get my footings together, you know, in um, preaching in Pakistan, preaching to a people group where the Holy Spirit is moving like never before. You know, 
I, I, I said, I was thinking, well, what about this? What about that? And I thought, what is it to you, Joan? I answered myself, what is it to you? What are you going to do? You can't do anything. And I said, praise the Lord. I can't do anything. And I praise the Lord that he called me to preach in Pax. And I thank you that he called me to preach to you today. You know what I believe? I believe the Lord called me to make him real to you and to make that other world more real to you than this world. So that what you see on the face of this earth is not going to make you afraid. And you're going to say um, that the Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Um, I am the Lord's. You know, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, the Lord. The only person that's going to condemn you is the person of Satan. Because he is, when a person says yes to the Lord, and you say yes, when you go, I don't know how, how and I, here's how I said it, I don't know how it looks, I don't know what it means, I don't know where this is going to go, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I do not care. All you're asking me for is to say yes. In fact, let me tell you something, yesterday I was reading about the centurion. Well, I was going over these things in my mind about serving the Lord. And I mean, serving him beyond what I know that I'm doing here because it gets comfortable, right? And I'm not saying I take it for granted. I fear the Lord. When I come here and before you guys, I'm not like, well, let me see what I can teach him today. I would rather, I would rather never do another message again than to tr treat the word of God like that, like a common thing, but to handle it with beauty and with ultimate care with my life and not deceitfully and not, you know, yeah, well, this is what the Lord says. No way. You know, that's why I'd rather let my own aroma come out. I mean, if we're, if we're, if we're the aroma of life unto life, then what do you, what are, what do you want to smell like? I want to smell like the most beautiful, pungent, aromatic blessing to the Lord, a life given over to Christ. What does it matter if your family is against you? What does it matter if nobody agrees with you? What does it matter even if you don't know what it looks like? Who cares? Who cares? You think Elijah was saying, well, I don't know about this. The Lord said, what about a Jeremiah? He said, I called you. I knew you in your mother's womb. I created you. You know, I think the older I get, more of this freedom comes in. And you know what that freedom is from? Experience. You know where the experience comes from? Patience. You know where patience comes from? Tribulation. And, and I just want to tell you, you know, there's going to be people that are going to be offended with you. They're going to be mad at you. They're going to be angry because you're not hanging out with them anymore. In a way, you're a contract changer. You know, you're going to, and I'm not talking about, a sinning life. I'm talking about things that God's going to start calling you to do where you're going to have to say, I can't do that on Thursdays anymore. I'm going to have to go over here. Well, you've always been a part of the Bible study. You can't do, well, you can't just go by yourself. You're forsaking the assembling. It's like, I'm not forsaking anything. I'm being obedient. I'm going the way of the Lord. I'm going his way. He's calling me. Clearly they're only hearing thunder, but you're hearing his voice. Because I'll tell you something. It says the Lord gives you hearing. He opens your ear to hear as the learned. He gives you a tongue to speak. He gives you a mind to comprehend. He gives you a heart 
to receive him. He opens a door of faith in you. There's nothing you've ever done for yourself or for Christ that he hasn't put in you and done for you. Jesus Christ is our God. He's Lord. He's our King. And he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He, he that sitteth in the heaven doeth whatsoever he pleases. So if he is calling you and some people are going to be offended and they don't really like you anymore and they think you're crazy, love them anyway. Just love them anyway. Let them go. Haven't you ever read Pilgrim's Progress? He's going along the way and every now and then he meets up with people and he enjoys them at first. And little by little, he starts to realize that the person is not who they said they were, that they begin to be realized. He realizes he starts to see them clearer and clearer. And then they go this way and they part paths. I'll tell you something. When you go the way of the Lord, you're on the right path and there will be challenges. But don't you welcome those challenges or do you want to go stay over there? where nothing ever happens, where you just stay in the mundane. And you know, a lot of people that are out there, I know you, you have written to me, you're in impossible situations. Well, that's nothing for the Lord. That's nothing for Christ. You have no idea what Jesus can do in your life. Seriously, if you're housebound, you're ill, you're stuck in bed, you can't get up, you think it's not not you think God can't work something out to bring people to your bed? You know, some people say, "Well, I guess all I can do is pray." It's like prayer is the power. Prayer is the power. In fact, everybody that was ever successful that we read about and go, "Oh, wasn't he powerful?" That's because they had potent prayer backgrounds, like praying hide. Reese Howell, Intercessor, Charles Finney, all of these people, they didn't have technology. They spent their time. And you want to know who hears Christ best? Those who stay committed to him and keep going. Because I'll tell you something, if God is calling you and you're hearing him, it's most likely because you live very near to him. So I want to say this, uh, when you, all he asks is that you say yes and say yes like an adult and give good thought to what the king may want to do because he already knows anyway, but he's going to give you a choice. And when you say yes to him, then he's going to take care of everything. He will take care of everything. It's a guarantee. And it's, it's, it's a privilege to serve him. You know, a sister in Christ wrote this to me today, which was interesting. Francis, she spoke this to me. She messaged me. She said, be sure those speaking into your life are being confirmed by the Holy Spirit to match your walk and pulse. You know, I thought, what a timely word. Be careful about who's speaking into your life. Because a lot of people... They mean well, and I don't mean them, but there's a lot of people who try to speak things into your life, but it's manipulation. You, the, only, the only person that you're going to receive anything that speaks into your life is only going to be confirming what you've already heard from Christ. Okay, so choose. 
choose the way because it is a way and it is Christ. And when you go his way, because he's calling you, he'll take care of everything. And many lives will be blessed because of you, because he counted you someone he wants to use. So just say yes and let him do it all. Shalom to you.